Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Chris Vasiliadis. Chris is a speaker, author, and burnout buster. In her business, Priority Wellness, she specializes in helping overwhelmed professionals. While being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis indirectly led Chris to getting trained and certified as a health coach and founding Priority Wellness in 2008, she has been relapse-free for over 14 years. That's impressive. Welcome, Chris. How are you today? Thanks, Terry. Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. Good, good. So let's start with a little bit of your background and what brought you to where you are today. Sure. So like you said in my intro, getting diagnosed with multiple sclerosis indirectly led me to becoming a health coach. Prior to that, I worked in the tech space for a number of years. My bachelor's is in computer science. My master's is in education. So I worked in, initially worked in the tech space, did computer security, cryptography, did software project management for a number of years. Then when I got my master's in education, I switched into technical training, did curriculum development for a number of years. And then my last corporate job I was the director of performance improvement in a company where I always looked internally for ways to improve how they did things from onboarding new employees to how they did performance management of employees to revamping their call center and sales process. And then that company uh, went out of business right before September 11th. And yeah. And then after that, I tried to get consulting work doing the sort of work that I was doing. But you may or may not remember around September 11th, no one was hiring consultants at that time. Yep, Uh, yep. It was a bad time for everyone. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. And so I fell back on what was a side job at the time, believe it or not, doing professional makeup artistry work. And (laughs) That's interesting. People still kept on getting married and they needed makeup artists. So there we go. There you go. Um, so I did that for a number of years. And then, and I taught myself how to do marketing and I got so good at it. People were asking me who were having their own business. Gee, you seem to market yourself really well. How do you do that? I would meet people for coffee and give them tips and ideas. And that started happening more and more. And I'm like, I'm not going to do this for free anymore. I think no. there's a business here. Yeah. So I created, so I went for my makeup business was called Signature Faces. And when I rebranded as a marketing person, I changed the name to Signature Impact. So that was that business at the time. And then fast forward a number of years to 2005 when I got my first MS attack. And that's what ultimately indirectly led me to the work that I'm doing today. So overall, you could I often say I've had a portfolio career <laughs> of a bunch <laughs> of different you know, things, that, some things that were planned and some things that weren't planned. Again, I've been in this work since 2008. Right. And education. I mean, you got your master's in education, right? That is all part of coaching. So that was perfect for you to kind of pivot into doing a coaching career. So that's just perfect. 
Yeah. And even before I got formally trained as a coach, you're right. I was doing coaching in a lot of different aspects of my career over the years. So I had, I kind of learned by trial by fire doing it initially, but then I got trained on best practices and, and evidence-based approaches when I, when I went through my, my training in 2008. Right. So, so yeah. And it's funny that you say that I do feel a lot of, while I've had a bunch of different careers, many of them contribute to my work today. My project management expertise goes into my work today. When I was in graduate school, my final project was on human performance improvement. And I'm very passionate and just curious about what helps people perform at their best. And that's part of my work today in that I feel like I help people use their health and wellness as a tool to perform at their best. Yes, because if you're not well, you can't perform at your best. If you're not feeling well or you have health issues, even if you're, whether you're self-employed or work for a company, you're not doing your best when you don't feel well. And over the years, I've worked at a lot of different jobs too. And I remember, you know, there were always people that had health issues that they would be miss work during the year a lot. And I'm sure even when they were there, they didn't feel their best. So yeah, it's a big issue. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. So yeah. And a lot of, it's funny, a lot of people try to keep their health kind of separate from their work, but we're not robots. We're all integrated together. So as much as you might try to compartmentalize it, if you're not addressing your health, it's going to catch up with you at some point. Absolutely. And as we age, it becomes even more relevant because things are going to happen. Like I had to have my hip replaced in 2018. So the longer you live, the more issues you'll have, but all you really have to do is address them and work with them. Don't give up and say, oh, well, now the world's ending for me because this happened or that happened that, you know, just deal with them and work with them. You can get over anything. You really can. You you can, you can, you know, and you and I talked about this before we got on the recording today in terms of not identifying so much with, if you, if you get a diagnosis, whatever it might be. That that doesn't become who you are, but some people can be their own worst enemy when that happens and feel like, oh, I have, whether it's some someone like me who got diagnosed with MS or someone who gets cancer or whatever, if you let that absorb you and take over your identity, that's where you get into trouble. You know, MS isn't who I am. It's a condition that I have, just like I have hazel eyes, <laughs> you know, but the eyes aren't all of me. It's a piece of me. And yeah, so we're, we're so much more than any attribute of our, our appearance or our conditions of our lives. Absolutely. So how do you help people in their health and wellness get over something like that? Like, obviously you really got over your multiple sclerosis because you've been relapse free for 14 years. So you must've taken hold and decided it's not going to be my identity. I'm going to do something about it. So What did you do or how do you help people with other issues get over things like that? Yeah. So I don't know that we ever get over anything. It's how do we, how do we coexist with it in a way that doesn't drive us nuts? (laughs) True. So yeah. How do we manage it in a way that it doesn't become all consuming to the extent (laughs) that we can. And so for me, when I got diagnosed, I got diagnosed the end of 2005 and I made the decision to see my primary care physician in January of 06. And I said, okay, I've got this diagnosis. It's my intention to live a fully active, healthy life. What should I be doing? 
And she lined me up with all kinds of tests. I call the 2006 the year of the lab rat. I had <laughs> a, a bunch of different tests. We learned I was deficient in certain vitamins and minerals. I learned ways to manage my stress. I learned I was not good with gluten. While I don't have celiac disease, I'm, I'm diagnosed non-celiac gluten sensitive. I basically can't eat gluten. It makes me sick. So I've been yeah. militantly off gluten since 2006. I'm on one of the MS disease modifying drugs. So I have, and I have been since January of 2006. So there's a bunch of different, you know, so I, I very deliberately manage my health around all those things. I, I see my neurologist twice a year. I get an MRI once a year. And that's what I've chosen to do to manage my health. So when folks come to me and they want help in, in their health and wellness, and again, as you said in my intro, my specialty is helping overstressed and overbusy professionals prevent burnout and how they're running their lives. So that's that's my specialty. That being so people may come to me when they're feeling overwhelmed and they want to stop putting themselves in a place of potentially burning themselves out. But I've also had people come to me who want help with weight loss or who want help in general with stress management. Any kind of health thing you can think of, folks come to me if they're if they're having trouble living their healthiest life on their own and they want some help, they want a partner in making that happen. And what's fun about my job, Terry, is helping people figure out the right combination of things that works for them. I have, you know, I listed a subset of the things that I do to help me with my health and wellness, but I don't try to put my way of doing things onto everyone. Right. Everyone's different. So everyone's different. And maybe what worked for you in your twenties, let's say for exercise, as an example, you know, in your twenties, you might've loved doing aerobics classes. Now, if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, that might not appeal to you. You might Mm -hmm. want something like yoga or walking or Pilates, you know, whatever, or even just dancing, whatever way you find to move, that's fun. So it's helping people figure out what works for them and what works for them now in their lives. And usually that requires a lot of experimentation, trying things out. What What are you willing to try? What do you want to test out? because I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to work for you. I know certain patterns that work well for folks. So obviously I will share that with people, but the specifics of of the particular habits and routines that people do, that comes out of our work together. And stress is a huge factor today. Everybody is stressed. I don't care who you are. And I think some people don't realize how detrimental stress can be. It affects your body on a daily basis. So if you can't find a way to relieve it and not be so uptight, it's going to affect your health down the road. It will. Yeah. I think there's some falsehoods out there in the media that think that, you know, it's not either stress is a normal part of life. You're you're going to, we're all going to experience different types of stressors, but the key is how do you respond to it in a productive way that doesn't make you suffer anymore? So we don't need to kind of grin and bear and white knuckle it through stress. And I think that's put out in the media a lot, like, oh, you just need to suck it up. Well, no, there are ways that productive ways, coping strategies for handling stress. And again, that, that's something that I work on with folks to help help them figure out what, how do you respond to a stress? First of all, even identifying what causes you stress. Oftentimes we don't even stop and press pause and think, well, gee, what, what caused me to like fly off the handle? What's really at the crux of my stress right now? And it could be a certain person's behavior. It could be something you did. It could be a certain, something that's happening out in the world. 
It could be thoughts running through your head. Any number of things can, can cause us to feel, it could be overwhelmed with life in general or with work. So it's figuring out what's a productive response to that. And how do we, almost like being like an athlete running a marathon, how do we prepare ourselves for the marathon of life and help build our stores of, of energy that we have available to us when so we can be as resilient as possible? Yeah, that makes sense. And even as boomers, if you're retired and you're home, we still have stressors. We still have Absolutely. a lot of stress. So it's important to kind of figure out what they are. And again, what can I do to make them not as detrimental to my health? How, what do I do to kind of, you know, not eliminate them, but neutralize them? So exactly. They're not neutralize stressed. is a great word. Yeah. 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 You yeah. might not be able to make it go away. And I usually use a phrase that I call the three R rescue. Once you identify what your stress triggers are, is to look at once you identify what the trigger is. So the first R is, can I remove this trigger? And if you can't remove it, can you reduce your exposure to it somehow? Or can you reduce that trigger? And if you can't remove it or reduce it, can you respond to it in a different way that's better for your health and peace? Right. So, yeah. And that's true. And a lot of times it's someone in our life that is around us a lot. So you can't remove that person. But again, learn how to not react. Because I think when you're stressed, you react in the wrong way. And it makes the whole situation worse. It so, exacerbates it. Absolutely. Yeah. And and there can be people, it can be getting stuck in traffic. You know, an accident happens and you're going to be late. Okay. That can cause you to get stressed. But if there's nothing you can do to change it, now, how do, you, how do you respond in a way that's going to give you peace? Right. And you know what I've done? And I don't know how I came upon this, but when I was driving to the office every day and I was late and I would get very upset, I'd say, for some reason, I'm supposed to be late. Maybe if I had been five minutes earlier and I would have been on time for work, I might have been in an accident. There's something. And a lot of times I found that later, there was some reason I was supposed to be late. So I just calmed down. You're already late. Just calm down, do what you can do to get there and everything will be okay. And it is okay. You know, it's just sometimes there is a reason. The universe is doing something to make you, like I'll never forget when 9-11 happened, we had a group of kids going from Centennial High School, which is a high school not too far from me. They were on their way to the Twin Towers to be up on the top floor and they were late. The whole bus was like a half an hour late and so they never made it. Thank God. So, and that you heard a lot of stories around 9-11 of that. People who just had doctor's appointments, so they weren't at work or they were late getting there and never got, I mean, so I think if you think of it that way, it's not an excuse for you to be late for work, but if you're already late and you're trying to calm yourself down, it's just like, you know what? Just calm down. I'm already late. Maybe it's meant to be. Maybe it's saving me from something else happening. And then just that calmed me down right away. I don't get upset in traffic anymore, ever. That's great. And that's a great example of a reframe or or changing your, like, choose another perspective. And when, when we're like, when we're uptight and stressed, it can be hard to see other perspectives. We can get kind of myopic. So it's, it's good to just kind of take a couple of deep breaths and like, all right, what's another way that I can look at this that's going to give me some relief? that's going to give me some space. So, yeah. So that's one of the things you talk about in, in helping people find other ways to deal with it. Cause like you said, we can't always think of that ourselves. Sometimes you need someone to help coach you through that. 
Sometimes you just need help figuring out what the real stressors are because sometimes we want to deny them, right? We want to pretend they're not really there or that's not my stressor, but it really is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And, and it can be hard to see it on our own because we're so close to it. So yeah, through through coaching, it, it gives you the opportunity to just kind of stand back and take a big picture view. And you know, for me, who doesn't live and breathe in your body every day, I, I can typically see things a lot quicker as an objective party. Right, right. Than, than you can. So that's yeah. true. That's true. So with your multiple sclerosis, that was a really bad diagnosis, but you've really overcome that with everything you're doing. So has that really been part of your coaching? Has that really helped you coach other people with their health and wellness? Yeah, that's that's such a great question. Obviously it has. I mean, it's fundamentally changed my life, changed my prioritizing my health, which is kind of how I indirectly came up with the name of my business, Priority Wellness. So yeah, getting diagnosed with a chronic autoimmune condition will do that to you. And so, yeah, so that's, it's kind of in the back of my mind. It's not something that like I wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm someone with MS. Like I said, it's not, it's a piece of me. It's not my full identity. And it helps me a number of ways, Terry. It helps me to have compassion for other folks, no matter what they're experiencing, you know, what may or may not be a chronic illness, but whatever their, their current trial is or tr- challenges that they're dealing with. So it's definitely helped that. And, and to help see that a diagnosis doesn't need to be a death set. And there are ways that you can work with whatever life puts in your lap. And again, not that it's always, you know, rose colored glasses all the time, but there is a way that you can approach things that help you move through them in, in a productive way. Right, right. And you talked about how it's important for us to be in the present. And I think that helps too, because we're always, we're thinking about what happened and what's coming up and we we don't tend to be present when things are happening and enjoying the moment being present. So how does that kind of play into your coaching? Yeah. As well? So coincidentally, so I mentioned earlier, I went through my coach training in 2008 and opened up my business in the fall of 2008. The other thing that happened at the beginning of 2008 was back when Oprah Winfrey still had her show on the air she interviewed Eckhart Tolle about his book, A New Earth. And it was basically an online class. They would go through it each chapter once a week and discuss it. And it was was an online web class. And that was my first introduction to Eckhart Tolle. And he's become someone who I really follow. His messages really resonate for me in terms of being present. And and I kind of alluded to this earlier when I was talking about how to handle when, when we're stressed. When we can find a way to basically reground and recenter ourselves into what's here, that's where our point of power is. And we're able to take wise action from this place of presence. When you're present or mindful, you can interchange those two terms. There's a definition of mindfulness that I like from John Kabat-Zinn. It's being present in a certain way, on purpose, in the present moment, and without judgment. So you're just observing with no judgment, what's going on here. And not only what's happening in front of you, but how you're responding inside and how you want to react to that. Like, oh, and and come out with, again, no judgment, almost from a curiosity perspective. Oh, that's interesting that my heart's pounding a a million miles a minute. What's up with that? (laughs) Or, 
or that, you know, you're feeling tension in your head or you feel a stomach pain. Our body is a really wise organ. and we start paying attention to that, that helps us manage our feelings and emotions better. I find also what can let us know that we're not being present is when our thoughts start going of the in the place of pining away for the past, like kind of wishing things were or having regrets about the past. When you're wishing things were the way they were before or you have regrets about that, or if you're worried and have all these what-ifs about what could happen in the future, any one of those times our trigger is like, whoops, I'm not being present. Because you can't, first of all, you can't change anything in the past. So that's kind of not useful thought process. And we can't, the only way we can influence the future is how we are in this present moment. You know, worrying and all the what ifs aren't going to problem solve. So, can we learn from the past? Absolutely. You know, t- definitely take some lessons learned of, you know, maybe what we wish we did differently. Okay, how would you operate in that same situation the next time if you felt like you could do that differently? But yeah, we are present and able to do that. The power is immense in in terms of what we're able to influence. But it's remembering to be present. It's a practice. It's a lifelong practice. So how that translates into my work is number one, making people aware of what I often say, the superpower of presence that we all have available to us. And there are ways to strengthen that. There's typically two branches you can go down. One branch is to simply deciding I'm going to be present in my life. John Kabat-Zinn often says, use your life as a lab for that. So the next conversation that you have with someone, can you be completely present with them? You're not multitasking, you're not picking up your phone or watching TV or, or what have you. That person has your 100% attention. What a gift that is when we're able to be completely present and attentive to someone. That is, that is. Absolutely. So, so that could be an example. Another example could be when you're eating, all you do is eat. You're, and ideally you're eating you know, at a dining table of some sort. You're not eating at your desk in front of your work. You're not eating in front of the TV. You know, you're eating at a dining table and you're actually looking at your food, chewing it slowly, noticing how it tastes, noticing the colors. Another example is hand washing dishes. It's a great way to play with being present. You know, not doing it as a means to end, like, let me get this done so I can go on to the next thing, whatever it is. But Noticing, noticing the temperature of the water, noticing how the dishes feel in your hands, notice the dishes gradually getting cleaner, what it looks, you know, how they got transformed from clean to dirty, excuse me, dirty to clean. And just doing things like that, like you, but you have to be intentional about it and decide, okay, for this next thing, I'm going to be present. So that might require setting up your environment a certain way, making sure you aren't interrupted whatever that looks like. If you're doing stuff on your computer, you only have the windows or apps open that you need to do the task at hand. If you're working at a desk, you only have the papers on the desk that you need for the task at hand. So that's an example there. And then the other way you build, so that's one branch. And the other way you build the presence muscle is having some sort of mindful activity in in your day. So that could be mindful meditation, could be mindful walking or mindful running. It could be journaling or yoga. Those are ways that help. If you're not mindful when you're doing yoga, you're going to hurt yourself. So (laughs) yeah. So, and and mindful meditation helps to build yourself up too. And you don't need to meditate. If some, if folks are listening and they're not meditating, you know, a lot of times you'll hear things like, I don't have an hour a day. You don't need an hour. You can use a minute and it can be really powerful where you just sit 
and, and there's no right or wrong way to do it. I typically suggest people who are just getting started, just sit and watch your breath. That's all you need to do. Just sit and watch your breath. And there's no, you know, you don't force your breath a certain way. Just watch each in and out breath. And again, with curiosity, without judgment, and, and that's your place of attention. Because if you can train yourself to pay attention to your breath, you can train yourself to pay attention to anything. That's a good place to start too. Yeah. And, and I do meditate and a lot of times I'll do little short ones for five minutes and then I'll try and get some longer ones in, but five minutes, anyone can kind of squeeze or even a minute, but you can squeeze in one to five minutes a couple times a day as you progress. You don't want to do it right away, but as you progress, you're going to enjoy it and want to do it more because it does calm you down and you get a lot more peace. Yeah. And, and if just you're to add a caution on that, and I, and I posted about this on LinkedIn the other day, the... The idea with meditation isn't to try to get to a point where you have no thoughts running through your head. Because I think a lot of people get caught up in that, like, oh, I'm not doing it right because I'm still experiencing thoughts. That's not the point of it. The idea isn't that you don't get caught up in the swirl of thoughts and you don't hop on the thought train, that you are able to just let the thoughts be there like clouds passing in the sky and and just watch them with curiosity. Like, wow, that's interesting that I'm thinking that right now. Okay. But you don't get caught, again, you don't identify with them. You don't get caught up in them. But our thoughts are not us. If, if people hear anything from today, our thoughts are not us. They're just this thing that, the sensation that runs through you. But if you follow them you, and, and they're not good thoughts, you can get into trouble. So you can definitely <laughs> get into trouble just, you know, because this is how people, I mean, as human beings, we tend to second guess ourselves and always say, oh, we think the worst more than we think the best. We'll think the worst first, like people starting a new business. Oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if people are going to like what I want to do. And we tend to go down that road first. I don't, I'm pretty good about being positive and just like, everyone's going to love me and this is going to work out. And I just jump ahead and do, but I think a lot of people are afraid to start because that negative voice inside, which a lot of people have, but that's another thing you have to get control yeah. of. And, and that's just a voice that wants to protect us. So yeah. we just need to let it know. We almost need to treat it like a small child and let it know. And you could even talk, name it if you want to and talk to it and say, you know what? I've got this. I know you're trying to protect me, but I've got this. Uh, I appreciate you trying to keep me safe, but I'll take care of this. We're all, we're all right. And um, I'm glad you brought up words too, Terry, because word choice is so important. So if we're noticed when we're being present, even in, in what we're saying, if we find ourselves always using kind of critical words of ourselves or of each other, that can be a wake-up call too. Just as we have choice in our perspective, we have choice in the words that we use. And words can be like daggers or they can uplift us. So definitely use empowering words when we can. You can, If you find yourself going down a path of the negative words, that's a good time to kind of check yourself and say, well, what's another way that I could phrase this that's a little, that's still true, but is more positive? That has a positive effect on us too and our on our well-being, even how we carry ourselves. Absolutely. And people want to be around positive people. So, you know, the more positive you can be, you'll have more friends. People like to be around you. It's contagious. So well, it, and, it is and, yeah, and, it is. and the negativity is. is contagious too. So so what do you want to perpetuate? And that's not to say I, I want to be careful because it's not to say 
that if you are truly experiencing a tough time or tough feelings, honor that, honor the feelings that you have with that. You don't need to say like, oh, it's all great. No, honor what's, what's true and bring compassion to yourself for that. And again, that helps you move through that. And if you need help processing that, then seek help, whether it's, whether it's from a professional, whether it's from friends or family or, but, but definitely reach out. Right. Right. And especially when you lose a loved one, that's a very difficult time. You are going to, you know, you're going to be crying and it's upsetting, but you're going to need help with that. So reach out to people and try and get, you know, if you can't get family members to help you get through the grief, then maybe you do need a professional to do it. There's a lot of them out there. And there's groups, also local groups, find your local group that there's groups where parents have lost children or people that have lost, you know, people to cancer. There's all kinds of groups out there. So join a group and then you'll be able to express your feelings there. And that's very helpful rather than always unloading on your friends and after a while they go, oh, I'm tired of hearing it because they don't understand. They haven't had it happen to them. So join a group where they understand. Right. And that can be helpful in in the situation of grief, like you said, or if you get a diagnosis or whatever, whatever challenging life, you know, if you lost a job, whatever, there's groups for everything. And in our hyper-connected world, uh, right. You have ways there to, are. you know, if you don't have a group locally, there's something online. So there's, yeah, there's, there's a countless options available for help. What again, whether it's groups, whether it's a coach or whether or not it's a therapist or counselor type situation. Right. Right. Whatever you can. So let me ask you this. What do you do for fun? Because I don't think that's, yeah, I don't think baby boomers have enough fun anymore. We don't laugh enough. We don't, we don't have fun. Life has gotten so serious. And especially this last year with COVID, everyone's like uptight. So do you do anything special for fun? So for me, what do I like to do for fun? So I'm a voracious reader. So I love to read. So I always have multiple books going. I often say too, if I wasn't a health coach, I would be a food critic because I love going out to eat and checking out different restaurants and things like that. So And even during COVID, my husband and I, we would typically go where we might not eat inside a restaurant. We would, we would eat outside at a restaurants a lot. So we were able to do that. Um, I love doing day trips and just exploring. I live in New England. So uh, there's a lot of different options for day trips within an hour or two from our house. So love doing that, just getting a change of scenery. And, you know, and we have the ocean, we have mountains, we have, uh, all kinds of different types of terrain around here. So oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. And we do too, because I'm in Doylestown. We're not, we're like uh, 90 minutes from the ocean. And then we are probably like 90 minutes to the Pocono Mountains. So we've got everything too, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just being with my friends and family, you know, can easily laugh with those folks. Anyone, everyone needs a good friend that they can like laugh with. So yeah. And then whether it's, you know, watching YouTubes of comedians that I like or seeing a romantic comedy once in a while. Yeah, that's fun too. Yeah, and I think that's an important part of health. Make sure that you have ways to do things you really enjoy during your day. You know, with a book, you can say, okay, I'm going to take a half an hour. I'm just going to read my book for half an hour to relax and then go back to whatever you were doing. So there's always room to squeeze things in. And and I think it's important, and especially with COVID, it's been a really stressful year for everyone. So it's important to fit in those fun times and, and think of that. That's part of being healthy. That's part of being healthy. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be grandiose. It can be very simple. It can be, 
you know, going to your favorite local coffee shop for your favorite kind of coffee or tea or whatever. Uh, it can be getting a, you know, a magazine in your favorite topic or, you know, celebrity gossip or whatever it is you like, you know, it can be, it can be light and fun and yeah. So it doesn't, doesn't need to be like an extravagant getaway. It could be that too, but yeah, but not everyone can do that. And if you can't get away for a whole week, try and get away for a day. Yeah. A day, an afternoon, an hour. Yeah. You can go to a museum. You can go to an outdoor garden somewhere. I'm a huge proponent of getting out in nature and whatever, whatever you like, whether it's the woods, whether it's the ocean, whether it's mountains, just even a walking trail and just get outside. It's if you can get outside and a really good, we were talking about stress relievers earlier, a really good like way to reduce stress in the moment is get outside and look at the horizon. Now, you don't, might not literally be able to see at the horizon, but like look out as far as you can. That's a very grounding way to center ourselves or just even notice nature around you. Notice what's growing and blooming in any of the animals from, from ants to birds to what have you, people's pets. And just watch how they are. I mean, talk about a great example of being present in terms of noticing what they do. We're part of that nature. You know, looking up in the sky and noticing the, the clouds go by. And the, you know, the sky is not the same every day. You and I were talking no, about this always, before yeah. we recorded. You were talking about a friend of yours who took a sunset photos every day. She takes one every day yeah. and it's always different. And it's always and different. majorly different. Yes. Not a little bit, major differences from day to day. So yeah. yeah. So, so if people feel like they're in a rut, go out and look at nature and see the differences every day. And, and we're part of that. You, and I think that's just a way of reminding ourselves every day and even every moment getting, getting back to being present. We have the opportunity to create a new in every moment. Every moment is like currency. And when you realize that you have more reverence, I feel, for your life and and the opportunity you have to use what's given to you. Yes, so true. So I, I guess that was kind of a final thought. Do you have anything else that you wanted to add to uh, so that specifically boomers that can help them? But I think that was a great final thought that, you know, if you're in the present, but if there's anything else, please. Uh, yeah, I think, it, you know, in boomers, are, are of the age range, they might still be working, might not be working, might be working a little bit. And you might, on the one hand, if you're not working as much, feel like you have all this free time and what to do with it. So I think it's just a reminder also to have reverence for life. Uh, someone who I follow, Brendan Burchard, instead of time management, he uses the term mortality management. And when you think about it that way, it really puts things into focus. Okay, all you know that you have is this next breath, literally. That's all you know that you have. So how are you going to use it? And I think that brings into the context of what are you going to appreciate and what are you maybe not going to complain about as much? So I think gratefulness and and appreciation comes more out of being present as well. And just, and see what's there. Like that there is, there is wonder and magic in every day. And if you stop and look around, you'll see miracles of what life presents to you. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. And for boomers who have all day that are retired, that are thinking, I want to do this, but they just can't get themselves moving. When you're in the present, 
I think it does help you think, well, maybe I do need to sit down and start writing that book I wanted to write. And maybe I set up a schedule and write every day for a couple hours. Maybe it gets you thinking because we don't have forever. None of us do. And we don't know how long we have. So if there's something you really want to be able to share with people, with your family or with the world, start doing it in little increments today. Absolutely. Start small today. steps. Small steps. Absolutely. So even if, yeah, if you want to write the book, say, you know, maybe spend the next half hour just jotting down some ideas and get going. And yeah, it doesn't, you don't know, need to set the whole day and, and you know, if coming up with schedule helps you great, but just figure out a way to begin. Right. That first step is the hardest. Yeah. That first step is always the hardest. It, is. Yep. it can be, but then, it can but be. then, you know, what's the saying? A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So That's yeah, right. if you sitting around doing nothing about it, isn't getting any further. So, and I'm reminded of um, Cicely Tyson, who passed away earlier this year, who wrote her biography right before she died. In fact, it came out, it was released and then she died three days later or vice versa. Oh Either she, gosh. yeah, wow. and she was like 92, 94. Wow. So, I wow. mean, she wrote her biography in her 90s. Yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anything. You can do anything. Painting or, you know, I, I interviewed a doctor who's in his 80s and he's still working full time. So, you know, everyone's different, but everyone has something that they really feel like they should be sharing with people. So just. Just go out and do it because sometimes I think we're a little fearful. Right. You don't want to right. you don't want to end up on your deathbed someday saying, I wish I did X. Right. Right. Yeah. And that can be a good exercise. Like picture yourself on your deathbed. What do you want to be able to say when you look back? And if there's things that you want to be able to say that you haven't done yet, well, today's the day to take that first step. That's right. That's right. Well, that's a great way to end the interview. So thank you so much for being my guest on Kick-Ass Boomers. I think you Gave them a lot of inspiring thoughts today and, and things, actions they can take. So that's really great. I'll have all of Chris's contact information in the show notes. In fact, if you want to give us your website real quick before we close, yeah, sure. we didn't talk about that yet. So go ahead and give us that. So my website is simply prioritywellness.com. And, and if folks go there and they visit the homepage, you'll see that I have a giveaway. It's a report that I have. And again, with my specialty being burnout prevention, it's report on nine mistakes that prevent people from living in uh, burnout proof ways. So that's available. And if you get that, it's puts you on my newsletter list called Energizing You, and you'll get tips every month on how to live an energized life. Oh, that's perfect. That's great. Cause you know, we can all use that information every month, something new. That would be great because we don't need extra energy. So so thank you for being my guest. And anyone who wants to go into the show notes to find Chris's website, if you didn't write it down, if you're out running or jogging or whatever, go to kickassboomers.com, click on her picture and all the show notes will come up. So you'll have her website there. You can click on it and get that free information that she has. And even though it turns talks about burnout, I'm sure there's a lot of that that's going to pertain to us boomers as well. Some of us have burnout, even though we're not working. Well, yeah, because a lot of boomers are taking care of the grandkids or taking yeah, care of their yeah. kids. and Or you know, elder parents. Or we older, might have parents right, in our 90s. Exactly. And we have grandchildren and we're kind of squat. So I'm sure there's a lot of boomers that have burnout. So yes. that'll be perfect for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Great. So go to the show notes. Please go to Chris's website and get that for free and join her newsletter so that you get the energizing tips every month. So that'll be great. So thank you so much. I enjoyed having you as my guest. It's been a great, great interview. Thank you for having me, Terry. I've enjoyed talking to you. You're welcome. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old.